Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, it is that moment we've all been waiting for. It's arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 402, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And we have some monster news that will be a shockingly stunning disappointment for everyone. It had to end at some point. And we are letting everybody listening know that this is the penultimate episode. For those of you who don't know what that means, that means the second to last episode. This will be our final week of the Jam Session podcast we will do today. And we will record one more episode that will drop on Friday. And after that, I guess in a sense, that will be all she wrote over the last, man, we've been doing this thing for what, three years, four years? Uh, dude, I've had so much fun. I lost track. <laughs> yeah, I guess it might be four years now. I'm trying to remember because ESPN went away in the, in what was that? September of 2020. And we started it. We started this up right after in that. October. So I guess so, it's, uh, it's almost three years. Yeah. And four hundred years in October. Yeah. So. so it'll be 403 total episodes and, you know, there's a lot of things that went into this. Some of it we're not at liberty to discuss, unfortunately, at this point. But it's all good. Yeah, it's all good. It's things that are that are moving in a positive direction. But unfortunately, it's just become the time where we will no longer be able to do the podcast. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's, uh, it's bittersweet because me and Matt have a good time doing it. Uh, we have a good time talking to Jam fans. Uh, obviously, we've built a... Uh, relationship and a rapport with you guys going back to uh, our time at ESPN and so we're very you know I don't really like very it's like the most empty word in America it adds nothing uh, but by the same token uh, we're thrilled that you guys came along with the ride for us um, I don't want to say we're disappearing we're disappearing as a group but uh, we may appear somewhere as individuals because uh, we got some things going on, both of us. And, uh, you know, hopefully, um, at least on my end, I'll have something to share with you guys later this week uh, about where you can catch me. But I think the big thing is this is uh, this has been great. It's been fantastic. It was, yeah. a, uh, it was a good idea we had to keep it going after the radio show. 
and uh you know it's like it's like any relationship uh that comes to an end uh it's some bittersweetness to it yeah there is for sure i mean it's, it's been enjoyable and you know, I, I always get together with you for an hour, three times a week and, and just kind of hanging out, which is what we do, talking sports, talking whatever. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little strange because this has become such a regular part of our lives for the last three years. And, uh, no doubt. <laughs> and, you know, so many of you that have reached out that enjoy what we do, our sponsors, and, and really the guys that we're going to talk about today are the ones that have stuck it through the entire time. We've had some others that came and went, which we, we, we appreciated. Some tried and maybe it wasn't what they were looking for and, and others kind of got what they were looking for and whatnot. But man, you guys have been so awesome to keep this going as long as we could. Wouldn't have happened without everybody listening, without you going out and supporting our sponsors and letting them know and it's been really cool. I mean, there's been a, a real passionate group of you guys that listen to this three times a week religiously. I mean, those of you when, when you know, we've had a couple of glitches when we try to schedule our podcast to drop and I'd be like, oh, what happened? I'm like, oh my God, I forgot to load it or whatever. And, and you guys pick up on that immediately. <laughs> and that's really cool. I mean, we really, really appreciate that. But this is going to be weird because, I mean, you and I have been doing this thing the podcast for coming up three years. We did a radio show for two years. And then we did, we carried our other radio show on a part-time basis for a year after the full-time show went away. Uh, yeah. And that's, uh, you know, but, you know, given uh, uh, how business works, it's, uh, you know, it's been a good time. And so, you know, I, uh, I was, you know what, man? See, I didn't even tell you this because I, I do it. Uh, I, I, t I teach. Well, I don't want to call it teaching. I host uh, some seminars every week for a group of college interns over at Mark Cuban's Heroes Foundation. Um, and I talk to them about various things in life. And um, we were talking about uh, communication and the importance of communication uh, a couple weeks ago. And... I was explaining my first two years at ESPN Radio, and then I was explaining my second two years at ESPN Radio. And I go, so this guy named Matt shows up, and and uh, he's he's my new partner. And I go, now y'all, and I'm talking to them, and I go, now y'all know who I am. I think I'm that dude. So when we have this first meeting, he says, well, we were, we I know you, blah blah blah. And I go, oh well. I don't really know you. Yeah. That's understandable. <laughs> right. That's it. But I'm trying not to be an asshole about it. And, uh, and ultimately, I end up telling, um, and again, I'm talking to this group of about 10 college juniors and seniors, and I go, the importance of communication is, I told Matt, I'm me. I do me. This is what I do. Don't ever try to be me. Just do you, dog. Whatever it is that you do, it's all good. Just be you. And if you're you and I'm me, we'll be successful, we won't have any problems because I'm gonna do me. And I don't give, well, you know, I just do me, that's what I do, and I do best, I don't have to work at it. And if you take the same approach and do you, we'll be great. And I was telling them that I was at the point in my career where I was like, I want, I want clear communication so that, so that Matt understood exactly my expectation for him was just go be you, man, whoever you are. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to be me and we'll be fine if you do that. But if you try to be like this other cat and try to be me or some semblance of me, dude, it'll never work. 
And uh, now Matt didn't really need that speech, but I felt like I needed to give it, given my, my yeah, no, after years. what you had uh, experienced previously. And it's not that that dude Will was a bad guy because he's not. It's a case of you trying to figure out who you are in the business so that you can thrive and succeed. Uh, but you have to be inf- infinitely comfortable with yourself to uh, to make it happen. Uh, so my point of that whole thing was, you know, Matt's always been himself, and that's why we got along, and that's why we had a great show. And that's why we took that show from dead last in DFW to top 10 or top 11 or whatever it was. And uh, would have continued to thrive had ESPN uh, stayed in the radio business. And that's why the podcast got off to a good start and it stayed, you know, at a certain level because, uh, you know, we get along great. And uh, we're both grinders. We're both workers. And, um, you know, that's why we've been able to make it happen. Yeah, that's... That's very true, man. And, and, I, and I knew that like coming into this and I kind of knew what I am. I just see radio differently. And I always I'll never forget that conversation. I'm sure some of you that have listened to ESPN radio for years will remember this when you and him got in the argument about journalist, about being a journalist, because <laughs> I heard that live on the air. And I just remember thinking, like, what is he doing? Like, because to present that to somebody that's on your level just doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't view what what I do in radio as journalism. Right. And I never wanted to be a journalist. I don't want to be right. a reporter. I want right. to entertain people and give opinions on facts. And look, I research and I do all that stuff, but I'm not out there trying to break news or get the scoop. And I, I've never, ever in my life considered myself a journalist. I think that would be comical and when people have tweeted at me and have said, well, you report about this, I was like, no, 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 I'm not a reporter. Right. I take what other people report on and create a story or an opinion on their report. Right. Like, I'm not going yeah. out being like, oh, hey, did you, by the way, Zach Martin's not on the team plane. What? Oh, my God, you're breaking news. No, I'm reading somebody else's story who's reporting that and giving you my opinion on it. No, and I think that's why we had success, because I am a reporter, and so I bring a certain level of news and information. Although I can't have fun from time to time. Uh, but, you know, yeah. I, I do what I did, and then you did what you did, and it meshed perfectly. It did, man. Um, you know, and so that's and that's why it works. And, you know, until COVID came around, we were still doing the same thing. Uh, everybody's had to adjust because of the pandemic and stuff. But it's still I'm more of a news guy and an information person. Uh, and then Matt's clearly the entertainer of us. I mean, who's got more voices than Matt? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's, you know what I mean? So, but that's cool. Yeah. And then we roll with it and uh, we have fun. And, uh, you know, I think that's the best thing because at times uh, I used to be like, Shh, Jesus, we'll see what's going on today. Uh, and I was telling this story too uh, to my kids last week. I go, it got to the point that we got called in by a boss who was mm-hmm. Jeff Catlin. This is me and Will. And he said, I've told you guys a thousand. You've got to stop arguing on the air. And I go, we looked at each other. and We like, Kat, we weren't arguing today. And he was like, that's even worse. <laughs> and I was like, dude, we're not for long, bro. If yeah. We can't fix this because when we're not arguing, it still sounds like an argument. Uh, but again, man, uh, you know, me and Matt, I don't think we've even had an argument. I don't think we've even had anything close to an argument. Because uh, we just vibe and, uh, you know, it's a good fit and a good mesh. I mean, the dude got me drinking beer. What else can you really say? About? <laughs> That's so true, man. I'll never, you know what, man? I'll never forget when we went to Atlanta for that first Super Bowl and we get, and I tell you and Alan, I was like, hey, 
because we got there Sunday fairly early in the afternoon. I was like, hey, guys, I don't know what y'all are going to do, but there's some breweries that I really want to hit around here. So I'm going to go do that. And you're welcome to come along. And Jacques and Alan both like, yeah, yeah, let's come along. And I could tell Jacques was kind of reluctant, like, hey, I want to check this out, see what's going on. We go to the first brewery. I think it was Scofflaw, if I remember correctly. And we we sit down and I order a flight. Jacques's like, what's that? I'm like, oh, it's just a flight, you know, where you can order and try some different beers. Jacques orders a flight. And I've I've been in, I mean, at the time I'd been in craft beer, not as long, obviously, because that was five, six years ago. But I've been in the craft beer world a, a long time. I've never seen anybody. Jacques orders a flight, takes one sip out of each beer, and he's like, I'm good. <laughs> and I was like, what? And I looked at Alan. I was like, dude, we can't just leave this beer sitting here like it's good. So me and him split the rest of Jacques' flight and drank it all. And that was awesome. And so to see that, to see you do that, and then... Shit, man, when I was hanging out with you when I was in Dallas three weeks ago, you drank you drank an entire beer. <laughs> like an entire beer. You just drank it by yourself. Yeah, with no help in, I know. in a rapid fashion. And so that was just, I mean, yeah, to say I got you into crap beer, the fact that you went from I'm not I'm I'm not exaggerating. He took literally one sip out of each of those, and now you'll drink an actual full beer is impressive. Well, yeah, because now I understand beer. I thought I put beer all in one big category which was basically lagers because that's all anybody yeah. who's not into craft beer has ever tasted and i don't like that bready yeasty taste see how i use the proper terms look at you uh and so beer never appealed to me ever ever because i'm not a guy um well the f- you know there's only one thing I've, i felt like was worth me acquiring a taste for in life and so the fellas will understand that outside of that i don't believe in acquiring a taste for anything you either like it or you don't like it. And I didn't like beer, so to heck with it. But as Matt said, uh, you know, there's a beer for everybody. You just have to find it. What kind of taste do you like? What kind of flavors do you like? What kind of consistency, viscosity? I'll see how I use another term. Like, My God. Do you like? And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, it ended up that I became a stout guy. But, you know, I didn't like sours. They were a little too sweet. Uh, there were some other beers that... Um, that I ended up liking a little bit, and so, but it became a it became a pretty interesting adventure, uh, to the point where I had a refrigerator in my garage filled with beer. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that true. Nobody you would have ever believed. Yeah, which is what a good time, man. And and obviously Jacques and I are still going to talk and, and hang around each other and whatnot when we get a chance. Yeah, to. we say we say that, but how often do we talk to Alan? Well, that's true, but I mean, <laughs> look. I will say this, you know, I hung out with you when I was in Dallas last time. I reached out right. to you. Well, you know what? I think we will hang out, and here's why. Because, uh, because Matt on a Saturday will be at, oh, I'm at this brewery. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, all right, I haven't, I haven't hollered at you in a minute. I haven't seen you in a while. I'm going to swing by. Where are you going to be at? And then uh, I, I have a feeling we'll do that. And then, uh, you know, me and Matt are so cool. That his brothers are like my boys. And so whenever his brothers are in town and they're getting together, you know, I'm sure I will crash the party and, uh, and, and, and join in. So I, I think it's like that because uh, we hooked up with your brothers the other day. and It was a great time because I know them well or as well as I should know. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I know about them. And so, you know, Matt disappears for a minute. We have a great conversation whether he's there or not. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because I've actually seen Alan. But I, I do the same thing that I'll do with you. Like you just mentioned, and, and sometimes Alan will say, 
Like I saw him at a brewery, not the last time I was in Dallas, but maybe the time before that. Look, he's got a kid and he's married and he lives, man, they moved to, I want to say Flower Mound, I think oh, is where he's living now. Out. Yeah. Okay. And so he's told me a couple of times, because I've texted him like, hey, man, I'm in town. I don't know if you're around, but I'm going to be over wherever I'm going. He'd be like, oh, man. He's like, sorry, I'm going to have to miss you. We've got this going on. And my my kid's got, I mean, you know how it is when you have a little kid. So, right. But yeah, man, I mean, I always like to stay in touch. It, it's shit. I still stay in touch with Scott Harrison, who I haven't done a show with in, God, seven years. Yeah. And I still talk to him a couple times a year. If not, And I saw him. He was in Birmingham last time he came to visit here. I saw him. And, and you know, people that you, that's the thing, like with what we've done. I mean, we used to spend five hours a day together, 25 plus hours a week for two years, and then doing the podcast and all that. It's, you know, people right. like that, that you can connect with like that, that you spend so much time around. You know, I always want to see how things are doing, and I can always find a way to, to hang when I get a chance. No, you're right about that. Definitely. But we'll move on, man. But but this is not a joke. It's it's real. There will be one more episode. It'll drop on Friday. Episode 403 will be the final episode of the Jam Session podcast. And we're just going to have some fun. We're going to talk a little Cowboys here. And then we got some fun things to get into like we always have. But we just wanted to let everybody know so that you could plan for that and, and prepare for it. I always thought it was it was rough when you didn't know a show was ending. Like to me, it's easier if, if you have like a couple of days or some time to process it. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I guess we will because this is this uh, is going to be. Uh, it. I think the important thing to note is this is uh, it's bittersweet for us. It's bittersweet for y'all, but um, uh, ultimately, it's great for everybody yeah uh, yeah uh so and, and like i said you guys will find out later why it's great but trust us uh it's bittersweet on one tip but it's absolutely positively fantastic on another tip yes and it's it's and some of you are probably thinking something and it's not that so no, it's not that what it you want me to tell you what it is in a nutshell you guys thought that we were both 12 letter cuss words well, this just kind of proves that we're both 12-letter cuss words. Yes. And and so I know there's a lot of thought of, oh, jam sessions coming back to a certain place or going somewhere. Oh, no, no, no. That's not it. No, that's not happening. It, it's, you know, individually, we've just got some things going on that it is what it yeah. is in a certain. They're really good. Yeah. I mean, it, it is what it is. And part of that, unfortunately, is that the podcast can no longer be a thing with, with each of us contributing to it. So... Letting you know now, so enjoy this one. Enjoy Friday, and and look, we we're gonna continue. We gotta continue to tell you about our sponsors as we wrap up with them as well. But I mean, again, and we've always kind of talked about this. Greening Law, I I truly one hundred percent use them. I got in a car accident, and my process with them. All I've tried to do is shine the light on. I'll tell you straight up, I never thought I'd use a personal injury lawyer because you'd see these commercials. I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. Then I got in a situation and I knew Greening Law existed and we had talked to them before. And so I gave them a call. I was like, hey, I don't know how this works. I don't know if I have a case, but this happened to me and this is some BS. And they were basically like, yeah, it is. And you do have a case. Let us handle all the legalities because these insurance companies, this is going to be a fight and we're going to, we got you. 
And sure enough, they did. And it was awesome. And I, I, I highly, highly recommend if you find yourself in this situation, you, again, I had no idea where to start, had no idea if I had a case. And you don't have to because it's a free consultation. So when you call them, you can ask your questions and they'll ask their questions and you can find out if you do have a case. So find out. No, nah, man, it's, um, you know, green law. The, the thing I've always said about them is that, um, is that they walk you through the process. They, elim- they eliminate the intimidation factor. And, uh, you know, that's the best thing about them is that they guide you through the process because it can be long as Matt can tell you. It can be tedious as Matt can tell you. It can be complicated as Matt can tell you. But they just walk you through that thing and they give you that sense of comfort and feeling that, okay, I got somebody with me. I'm not by myself. And again, the consultation's free. They don't get paid and you don't get, unless you get paid. And that just makes it, uh, that, that eliminates whether they're grinding for you. Yeah, they're working for you because they eat what they kill. They don't get paid unless you get paid. Consultation is free. There's zero reason not to call them and tell them your situation if you've got one. Just to see what they say. And if they bring you on as a client, trust me, uh, you, can, you can send us a thank you card uh, later. Yeah, you can. And it's easy to do, man. It's Robert Greening. Give him a call. 972-934-8900. Offices, Dallas, Texas. Zach Martin. And I don't know what to think about this. I feel like it's not really a big deal. And I almost feel like if there are two players on the offensive line that, that can miss training camp and just go into the season, he's one of them. Right, right. And Zach Martin not on the team playing yesterday, which I don't know. And maybe you can speak a little bit more on this. It feels like it used to be a really, really big idea where everybody would go to to Dallas and fly together out of Dallas to Oxnard. Like I remember Sean Lee, who lives in Santa Barbara, which is like an hour drive, if that, from Oxnard, would fly to Dallas from California to fly back to California with the team. And then yesterday, it seemed like, okay, Zach Martin's not on the plane, but that it's not mandatory for you to be on the plane, and it's not a requirement that you have to fly out there as a part of the team. Um, yeah, I think it's just, um, you know, as, as guys have more and more access to money, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it just becomes easier to sometimes do your own thing. The, the idea is to get there sometimes. Like Dak has already been in, in. And, you know, I think the other thing is you're in California. You're in L.A. If you want to get there a couple of days early and enjoy L.A. or Santa Monica or, uh, you know, Santa Barbara or any of uh, Malibu, any of that stuff yeah. before the work starts. I see why people go in a couple of days early. Uh you know, I'm interested to know really now. I guess everybody has to stay on campus. But, but like, you know, if your family's out there, then you got an Airbnb that you rented for a month or three weeks or something. So maybe you're getting them settled in. Uh, but, yeah, the whole let's fly out there as a team thing, that's cool for the rookies and the guys that may or may not make the team. But uh, your established vets, uh, they got their own routine by now. Yeah, and I guess that makes sense. And so – they seem to kind of make it a big deal. Zach Martin's not on the team plane. Will he be there at some point Tuesday? Because that's when the fines start. Will he show up? Their first practice is Wednesday at 1130 a.m. out there Pacific time or 11 a.m., whatever it is. But I was reading somewhere if he doesn't show up and decides to hold out through training camp, it'll cost him a million dollars. But then you look at a dude like Zach Martin, and that may be to him. He's like, okay, cool. I don't care. Um. 
here's my opinion, bro. It won't cost them anything. And you're like, well, what are you talking about? The CBA says that they can't rescind the fines right. like they used to. Okay, fine. Hey, Zach, we're going to give you a two-year, $50 million extension. Oh, you got a million dollars worth of fines? Okay, Zach, we'll give you a two-year, $51 million extension with a uh, – we were going to give you a uh, $6 million signing bonus. Now we'll give you a $7 million signing bonus. Um, he's not coming out of his pocket for any money if he wants to hold out mm. uh, for a new contract because they'll build it into the new deal whether they claim that or not. Uh, secondly, and this is always interesting to me, uh, now – it's it's just it's always interesting who we choose is allowed to hold out and who's who we choose is not allowed to hold out. Yeah, Zach Martin is allowed to hold out because he's been one of the best offensive linemen since uh, he showed up in 2014. Other players we bitch and moan if they don't want to show up for their contract. Uh, but I was telling some guys in the gym this this morning, and it relates to Zach only in this respect. Uh, and these are my workout partners, and one of them looked at me and said. You know, Zeke and Le'Veon Bell just ruined ruined everything for players and running backs when it comes to money. And I go, dude, you tripping. And I go, the, and this is how it relates to Zach's situation, dog. I go, the greatest trick, what's that, what's that movie, man, uh, with Kevin Spacey where he's really- Oh, The criminal? Usual Suspects. The Usual Suspects, and he says something like, the greatest trick the devil ever played is whatever he says. Is convincing the world that he doesn't exist. Okay, thank you. This is mm. why I love this guy. <laughs> uh, there it is. Um, the greatest trick the NFL owners ever did was make you think that they can't afford to pay guys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. They ju- the, and so it's amazing to me how normal everyday citizens side with owners who are worth billions over players who are trying to secure the next 50 years of their life during this five or 10 year period that they're playing football. And I go, dude, the Green Bay, and I read this the other day, the NFL just sent the Green Bay Packers a check for 300, I think $74 million as part of their TV revenue check or something. Y'all realize that's more than the entire salary cap, right? So for one portion of the money that they bring in they've covered all their salary cap expenses for the year and probably their expenses for the team for the year now all the other money coming in where do you think that goes Matt Uh, some of it does go to operating expenses and you have to pay your employees and you know who knows what the Cowboys payroll is but they're not having any problem buying any owner can buy a 60 foot yacht if he chooses to buy one yeah my whole point is Zach Martin deserves his money. If he wants to sit out all the training camp, then sit out. Um, you know, I'm all for the players getting their money. I don't care. Well, you know, if we and here's what I want to hear, Matt. How many people are gonna say, well, if you pay Zach Martin, now you can't play Trayvon or you can't pay this guy, or you can't pay that guy? Because that's what they say to Dak when he signs again, when he gets a deal. Which we know it you can. For it's salary cap to a certain extent. We talked about this, man. It's somewhat of a myth. To a certain extent. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. The, the Zach Martin thing. I think it gets worked out. I, my big point is I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think it's a big deal either. And like I said, I mean, honestly, if there has to be a guy on the offensive line, he w- I would be actually the most comfortable. Him and Tyron Smith was the other guy. But, I, I mean, Zach Martin, he's gone through this process a million times. It may even benefit him to have some more time off, honestly. 
I mean, he knows how much time he needs. He knows what he needs to do to get his body ready to go. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's interesting uh, that he had, that he wants a new deal. You know, because you know, most of the time a guy like um, Zach that they call a good soldier, he just kind of falls in line and takes a deal and then asks for a redo or yeah. any of that. Uh, kind of like Tyron Smith. Tyron Smith signed a ten year deal, and to the best of my knowledge, has never asked for anything else. You know what I'm saying? And that's unusual. And so I think they probably got a little comfortable with Zach. And he's like, hey, wait a minute now. I mean, it was, I was fine when people were making two or three more than me, but you got guys making six million more than me. That's unacceptable. Which I think, honestly, I mean, look, we've, we've all done that. We've all done that. Now, you may not have because at certain jobs you don't sign a contract, so it makes you feel like, well, they signed a contract. But how many of you that are gainfully employed at whatever job have gone and been like, hey, you know, I'd like to talk to you about getting a raise because I've done this, this, and this, and I feel like I've kind of earned that. And then your boss looks at that, and maybe he goes, you know what? You're right. It is time for a raise. Or maybe not. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I think that that's always confusing is when contract comes into play because in our minds – we don't know terms of contract. So in our minds, we hear contract and we think, oh, you're 100% bound by contract and each person has to do exactly because that's what contracts are. When I sign a contract, but reality of it is, I mean, hell man, I can't really talk a lot about the contract that I have, but I can say certain things. And one of those is, but to a certain degree with enough notice, pretty much either one of us can kind of do whatever we want. Right. And that, that doesn't, like, just because I'm under contract and I have a two-year contract, there's certain things and language in that that can make that contract not two years based on if they wanted to exercise certain clauses, if they wanted to pay me a certain amount of money. There's just different things. So it's not always like this just black and white, oh, you're bound to each other for two years. Ah, Kind of, but also kind of not. Well, to me, it's, it's um, you know, NFL contracts are barely worth the paper that they're written on. Right. And, you know, nobody seems to have any problem. And this is the example I've used this summer, which is why I'm just like players should get whatever they want or what uh, they should ask for whatever they want. Now, whether you get it, that's another that's another question. Aaron Jones running back Green Bay Packers was scheduled to make $16 million this year. They came to him and asked him to take a pay cut to eleven, which is $900,000 more than the franchise tag. Last season, Aaron Jones had a career high, 1,121 yards, averaged a career high, 5.3 yards per carry. I did my job. I did it well. I did it amongst the uh, you know equivalent to some of the best runners in the league, based on the um, opportunity that I had. And what did the Packers do? Uh, we need you to take a pay cut. Mm-hmm. And they either said it probably because oh we're tight against the cap and we need to make some more room, which is a you problem, not a me problem. And let me tell you what Aaron John- Aaron uh, Jones probably did. Oh, he also caught, you know, 56 passes uh, and five touchdowns as a receiver. 
he called, he had his agent call around and he called Matt and said, hey, if uh, Aaron's free, you guys interested? No, we straight. And he called all around the league and then he decided, well, Aaron, if you're free agent, look at the look at the guys who franchise. They can't get offers. You're probably not going to get much more than than a franchise tag. So keep this nine hundred thousand more and just stay in Green Bay. He didn't do anything to deserve a pay cut, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. He had a career year, uh, you know, but his reward was a pay cut. And so I don't have any problem with Zach Martin going, hey, I just made all pro again. Y'all need to pay me. I don't because either, as soon man. As honestly, his production dips. Guess what they're going to do? They're going to be like, oh, we got to, we, we're going to drop you down and we're going to cut you. Right. Go look at Tank. <laughs> Dude, that's an even better one. I mean, it's right there. Even better one. You know, he wanted to get his money, made sure he got paid. And then when the Cowboys are like, well, you know, we paid you because of this and you're not doing that. So we're going to cut you unless you want to take this offer. And he had to take a pay cut. Right. Yeah, that's, that's the way the game Reality. works, man. That's the way it works. So the other thing around the NFL, and, and I, I, this is interesting to me, is we found out this morning as we record this that Saquon Barkley has agreed to a new deal with the Giants, but the new deal is essentially the franchise tag. It is worth 10.1 fully guaranteed, the franchise tag, plus incentives. The $1 million in incentives includes an equal amount paid for 1,300 rushing yards, 11 touchdowns, 65 receptions, so that it could be a one-year deal for $11.1 million, which would be a million dollars more than the franchise tag. But what's really interesting about this, it does not include a no-franchise tag clause, which means the Giants can just tag them again after the season. Yeah, bro. Um, so what did he accomplish here? Nothing. I mean, he got, you know, he, last year he had 1,300 yards, 1,312 yards, his career high. So he has to do he has to match his career high again. Uh, what was it? Sixty five receptions. He's never had. He's had. He hadn't had sixty five receptions since his rookie year. And then eleven touchdowns. He hadn't had that since his rookie year. So you know, um, and we'll see if he, if he can match those. But basically, he came in for the franchise tag. <laughs> Apparently so, man. And that's and you know in essence in the big picture to me, this is why NFL players get hosed all the time. Is you know they just had a Zoom call. Hey, what can we do to make sure that we get paid as a group? Blase, blase, blase. And then two days later, Saquon Barkley, the leader of the group, yeah, in terms of production and the highest profile guy, he's in New York, a guy who could really make a statement. He comes in a day later for basically the franchise tag. It's not even good incentives. It's not like it's not like, hey, we'd really like to pay you. So if you do this, instead of getting you three hundred thousand, if you get thirteen hundred yards, dog, we're gonna give you a million and a half. And if you get eleven touchdowns, we're gonna give you another million and a half. And if you get sixty five passes, we're gonna give you another million and a half. And so if you have this really great year for us, you, because salary cap, I mean, because incentives are counted a little bit differently. If you had a really great year for us, you know, you'll make 14, 15, 16 million. But instead, they're just like, oh, here goes, here goes a little bit of stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it just goes, 
I mean, you talk about showing running backs have absolutely zero leverage. If you thought Barkley or Josh Jacobs was going to change the game, no, sir. Right. Now, Josh Jacobs, we'll see what he does. He seems to be a little more, um, I don't want to say militant. He seems to be a little more determined. But again, we'll see. Yeah, we will see, man, because I, I just, I, I, um, I did not expect the numbers to come back on Saquon Barkley where he was just like, all right, I'll just take that then. Well, I thought he would. I thought I didn't know that the numbers would change because they don't have to. And once you once you pass the July seventeenth date, you can't sign a long term deal. Yeah. But I thought uh, I thought he would hang out longer to try to send a message, but he sent no message. None, zero None. of a message. Like, all. what was the point of even acting like you were going to do anything? And you know, Jacobs is interesting because Jacobs has only made twelve million dollars in his career in his first four years. And right. that's where I wonder, seeing again, because if I'm the Raiders, I go, okay, I guess hold out your running back. Can you still take handoffs, kick ass, as long as the offense isn't massively changing? And even if it is, you, here's the playbook. Go figure this out and whatnot. But, I, I mean, there is no way Josh Jacobs is going to sit here and walk away from $10 million in one season when he's made $12 million in four. There's no way. Right. I mean, he does that. Kudos to him. But I, I mean, I'm. Well, you know, uh, this is what I say. Everybody's got their. Everybody's got what what motivates them, and what drives them, and everybody's got their own principles. Le'Veon Le'Veon Bell had enough principles that he's like, bump it. I'm out for the year. Zeke had enough principles that he said, y'all think I'm playing? I'm going to Cabo. I'll see y'all later. Now, eventually, he came in and got a new deal, but. You believe that he was willing to sit out for a certain amount of time unless he got the deal that he wanted. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, Josh Jacobs, he may come back, but he may just be like, you know what? I'm going to make a, I'm going to make the statement Saquon Barkley wouldn't make. I'm going to stay out all the camp or I'm going to stay out three weeks or I'm going to miss the first game uh, to make a statement. Or he could be back this week. Who knows? Yeah, and, and, and then the case of Dalvin Cook, who's still a free agent, who's still out there, that apparently is still believing that some team somewhere is going to run over to him and offer him big money and, and give him what he wants. Well, or more money that's out than, than is out there right now. Right. Um, you know, so, and, you know, he had, I can't figure out, he had a, something in about, he was in some kind of domestic abuse situation, uh, but I'm not sure he was arrested, but he was trying. There's a story out there that he was trying to pay this girl to change some testimony. Uh, but then I read another story that said the person who wrote that is not credible. And so he has some moving parts that people may be trying to figure out what's real and what's not before they sign him. Yeah. So like I looked at, I wondered because of the Naheem Hines thing that happened in Buffalo, if maybe Buffalo might be interested in him, but it's not like Naheem Hines was going to be their main guy. His brother's there, though, that they drafted Dalvin Cook's brother. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes. But this thing with running backs is fascinating because the devaluation of that position is in, in very rapidly and very devalued. Yeah, and the um, I have two thoughts on that, man. One is the reason it's devalued really literally is just supply and demand. The reason why yeah. Daniel Jones gets a $40 million contract is they're literally, and we all know this, there just aren't that many good quarterbacks. Like the difference between 
the 11th or 12th best quarterback and the 20th best quarterback or the 15th best quarterback is a big deal. And so Daniel Jones gets paid because there's just not a lot of guys who can, you know, walk and chew gum at the same time. Uh, whereas at running backs, there's a bunch of running backs. Uh, and the difference between the best one and, and you know, the, the one who's 20th is not really all that great. Yeah. But here's what I'm thinking. What you have to do, this is how the game can change if you're a running back. But I don't know, I don't know who that guy is. Uh, but basically what I'm saying is you have a guy, let's say whoever the next Saquon Barkley is. Uh, it could have been B. John Robinson in a way, but you really have to, and I don't even know when the next time it's going to happen. It has to be a running back who's so good in college and is supposed to be the next Jim Brown, the next Earl Campbell, whoever, that they go, you know what? We're taking this guy number three overall because he's that good. And that guy says, oh, yeah, I can't wait to play for you, Matt, and the, uh, whatever team it is. But you, I'm, this contract you're about to sign me to, um, I want a clause in there that you can't franchise me. And I'm just going to sit out until I get it. Yeah, that would be very interesting to see a guy that had the cojones to do that. Yeah, because you got to have and you've got to have the right agent who can get it done because, you know, and, and you can say, well, Taylor, that'll never happen. Well, no, yeah, it has to be. the. I don't know when it'll happen. It has to be the right guy in the right time, right situation, because whoever would have thought Kirk Cousins would get the first all guaranteed contract. You know what I'm saying? And now quarterbacks are getting more and more guaranteed money. Uh, up to, you know, 75 and 80 percent of their deals being guaranteed, which is on its way to 100 eventually, because as soon as as soon as you get a precedent set now, everybody else re- refers to that. So it takes somebody to be able to set the running, the, the no franchise me in the contract precedent. And then mm-hmm. you'll have some movement. It's like Dak. Dak got in his last contract. You can't franchise me anymore. So he had the leverage. And so now this yeah. go around, you got to pay me or, you know, a hollage. You will. We'll move forth here. We got some stories, some shows, some movies to get into. But, of course, again, the way you guys have reacted to the Jam Session Bowl at Smokey John's has been incredible. I mean, they've had hundreds of you that have gone in there, ordered the Jam Session Bowl, the amount of pictures that we have gotten over the last couple of years <laughs> from you guys, like, hey, finally made it down here. They still got it on the secret menu. So go, if you haven't had a chance to get it, go check it out. Because they created it for this podcast, for all of you that listen. A menu item that's on the secret menu that you had to have listened to the podcast to even know exist. And the best part of it is, it's awesome. Like, it is legit. Their food is so damn good. If you haven't been to Smokey John's yet, you need to find a way to get over there. Oh, without doubt. Now, it's the the uh, the jam session bowl is fantastic. First off, it's a whole bunch of food, man. And then it's a macaroni and cheese, a mashed potato base. You get to pick two out of five smoked meats. Uh, your boy usually goes for the brisket and the sausage. 
And then, man, all that stuff they put on a loaded baked potato, ba- you know, butter, bacon bits, chives, sour cream, cheese, all of that stuff. They throw it on top of it, man. And then they either drizzle it with sauce or they drench it with sauce. It's fantastic. And, uh, you know, it goes from there. And uh, it's delicious. It's enough for two. If you got a little shorty, it's enough for three, y'all. And it's fantastic. Nobody has not said anything other than it's fantastic. Because it is. And it's at Smokey John's Barbecue, one of our great sponsors. Love those guys. They've been awesome for us. Very much appreciate them. So swing by here maybe this week, maybe this weekend. Get a jam session bowl. And finally, if you've been saying, you know, I got to try that sometime. This is probably the week to do it. Go do it. And also, of course, right around the corner from there, Freeway Tire Shop, where I know Jacques will continue to use Freeway Tire Shop into perpetuity. It's just because the podcast is ending. I always say, man, if I live anywhere near Freeway Tire Shop, I would go there constantly because we trust him. He stands behind his work. You know that you can drop your car off and JR and his guys are going to take care of you. Elite customer service, but man... It's the mechanic you can trust, and I I just wish I could just do a little cookie-cutter slice, pick him up, and drop him in Birmingham because I don't have that here, and you guys have access to that in Dallas-Fort Worth, so use it. Now, Matt, I just sent you a text, and what is the text I just sent you? Well, let's see here. It is. Oh, it's a uh, back and forth. Look at that. See, this is real. Look at that. It is in day. Cowboys beat reporter Calvin yep. Watkins. His car's his son's car is messed up. And he gave me he told me what was wrong with it. And I don't know nothing about cars. And he said, Yeah, I went over to Firestone and I got an estimate. I go, Bro, I don't know anything about what it costs to fix that, but I feel very confident that if you roll through freeway tire and give JR a call, he'll beat that price. I just feel like that. I don't know, but I'll feel like that price. So I said, go check him out. And so Calvin is on his way over there this morning. He asked me for the address. And uh, I said, just uh, tell me when you're headed that way. I'll give him a heads up that you're rolling through. Uh, so he'll be looking for you. And, uh, you know, you'll see, see what it is. Because whatever's wrong with the car, he'll diagnose it quickly. He will use quality parts to fix it. He'll charge me a fair price. And to me, a place like Firestone, they do really good work. But that's like going to the dealer. The dealer does really good work, but you pay a premium price. And then, you know, you, you can trust him to stand behind his work. So um, I tell I send all my friends there. I send people I meet there. Uh, I use them myself. And so Freeway Tire, that's the way to go. It is. It's Freeway Tire Shop. Check them out. Just because the podcast is ending, I, I, I can tell you flat out, man, if I were to ever be in Dallas again, that's where I'm taking my stuff. And since all of you, a lot of you that listen are in Dallas, you should be going there to Freeway Tire Shop. And then, of course, HFX Foundation Solutions. And I'll tell you this, when we very first started doing the podcast, we put out a call, hey, you know, we, we need some support to get this thing going. We need equipment. There's subscription fees for the stuff on our end and whatnot. Aaron at HFX Foundation Solutions, along with JR at Freeway Tire Shop, those are the, the first two people to reach out about, hey, you know, what can we do? How do we help? We'd like to jump on and, and, and sponsor you guys. And They've been with us, both those guys, since the very, very beginning of this whole thing. And HFX Foundation Solutions, they're local, they're family-owned. I know JR and Aaron, both Aaron at HFX Foundation, listens to the podcast. And, and that's what makes it so great, man. They're full service. They do it all. 
And if you feel like you've got a problem with your foundation, you go, well, how the hell am I supposed to know? It's the stuff we've told about for years now. Cracks, sticking doors, sloped floors will certainly be a sign of that. It's a free, no obligation inspection. Maybe you don't know, that's fine. Give Aaron and his team a call because they'll see if you've got something, get out ahead of it. No, you know, we lovingly for years now have called it the colonoscopy for your crib. And that's because we all get a, get a colonoscopy while they send some cameras in you. They check out your insides, all the stuff you can't see, make sure everything's functioning properly. They do the exact same thing with your crib. They go to the places you can't see, make sure that everything's working properly because nothing in Texas will send your house value plummeting faster than, hey, I got some foundation issues. They give you that peace of mind that comes from knowing everything's good with your crib. Um, so give Aaron and his team a call. Let them come by, check it out, and make sure everything's working properly so that you can have the peace of mind that if you need to sell, you got money because your house is good. It's easy, man. Give them a call, 817-770-0174. Or as always, you can find them online at hfxfoundation.com. So you said you had a show for me, so throw it out because I got a couple things to throw out for you. Uh, okay, now I gotta now I gotta find the name of it. Uh, but okay, here's the deal. This this is not this guy is not new, but he's so damn good uh, that I watched this show only because he was in it. Um, okay, you know who I'm talking about. It's. Um, uh, Christopher, what's his name? Walls. Oh, oh, Christoph Walls. Yeah. Okay. So you're talking about that show on Prime, the consultant. The consultant. Yeah. Okay. So it's worth watching, man. I knew it. I wanted to watch Dude. that. Now, again, he's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, most of us knew him from uh, Inglorious Bastards, where he was just, oh my God, he played the hell out that role. Yeah. That and Django Unchained. Are, I was going to say, and then he went to Django yeah. Unchained and played the hell out of that role. Um. Now he's playing the hell out of this role, and I it's bet. in a, uh, it's a, uh, I think it's like a seven-part series, and the episodes are somewhere about forty-five minutes long. Okay, but it's a, uh, it's an intriguing show because I still haven't figured out what his end game is, and I'm like five episodes in, and uh, that means it's a really well-written show. Uh, he's playing like he always plays, which is some kind of sneaky, weird character. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's why I can't really figure out. I mean, he's some kind of a depraved dude, but he's so close to the vest with it that I can't figure out like what his deal is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Which, again, is why it's a good show. I watched a preview for that, and then the lady did not want to watch it because, like, really? I mean, like, I like like you're saying, Christoph Walls is fantastic, and dude, if it, he's in it, I'm watching. It looked good to me. No, it's a, uh, it's um. You know, here's here's how good it is. No sex, no real, no violence, really. Hmm. I mean, not really on a violence scale. I'd say right now it's like a a two or three on a ten scale, but it's all intrigue and mystery while you're trying to figure out what's going on. Because I still don't really know, and that's good because it's only seven episodes long. I think seven or eight, and I'm on. Uh, I think I just started five. So, yeah, it's a great show. And, and he's a fantastic a actor. I he mean, is, man. I mean, he is. Wow. There's, there's not a lot of peeps in, that have ever won two Oscars, and he's won two for both those roles we mentioned for supporting actor. I mean, that dude brings it. 
And he plays that role specifically so damn good, which is awesome. Why do I you think that is? I don't know. And it's really odd because, you know, that that's a dude. And I mean, all actors are like this. You haven't heard of him until you've heard of them. But <laughs> it's he seemingly came out of nowhere. Like, I don't remember ever seeing him in anything. Right. Until Inglorious Bastards. No, you're right. Uh, but part of but it what? is because he was doing a lot of European films. Right. And a lot of, because he's from Austria and he was doing right. stuff over there. And then Quentin Tarantino just puts him in Inglorious Bastards and you're like, holy hell. And then from there, he's just in all these great movies and all over the place. What do you think makes him a good actor? He plays like, like you're talking about, he plays. Then I'm going to give you my opinion. Almost that Cheshire cat type. I'm going to smile at you while I tell you what I'm going to do to just like take the bones out of your body. Yeah. And you're going to like me, but you know that I'm going to kill you, but you can't. It's really interesting. See, I say he's very sinister. He is. And his ability to, to deliver dialogue like that is so damn good. Yeah, because he's very reserved. And you're right. He's has like a like a. Um, it's uh, it's like he's laughing with you or at you or something. Yes. But yeah, he's very evil. Sinister is a good word for him because it's not up. It's not over the top. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's like when you're. I don't know how to explain it. I was gonna say it's like if you're dating somebody, and they go so. Where were you last night? And they say it in such a way where you go, well, does she really know I was somewhere I wasn't supposed to be? But I don't want to lie because it sounds like she knows, but I'm not sure. Yeah. It sounds like he knows that I was not where I was. I said I was with my girlfriends, but I'm not. But does he really know? Does he not know? Because he's, he's kind of disarmed me with his attitude and his approach that I'm not really sure. Should I tell the truth or should I lie? <laughs> and uh dude he's got it down pat whatever it is he does man and, and he's fantastic so i'll have to check that out one thing that we watched the other night this is a documentary on netflix called the deepest breath and <gasps> it is a free diving documentary and for those really? of you yes if you don't know what free diving is it is competitive diving down into the deep sea Divers take a single breath and see how far down they can go. And it is fascinating. And and this tells a story of two specific divers and kind of like a love story between them eventually of Alicia Zacchini, who is an Italian freediving champion, one of the all-time great female freedivers that have ever existed. And this dude, Stephen Keenan, who helped to, in a sense, revolutionize freediving safety and make it... Oh better because like i didn't know stuff like this happens you know obviously yeah go ahead so people die doing this and i bet they do you know they go down like her world record she became the first woman to get to like 104 meters jesus down which is 341 feet on a single breath so think about that so think about diving into the deep end of a pool and the pressure you feel at 10 feet and she's going 341 feet down. And, and they describe, like, how they feel it. And and there's footage, man. I mean, there's... What did you do, pass out? 
You can, yes, and it happens all the time, actually. And that's where the safety people, because keep in mind, when you free dive, the people that are helping you, like if you pass out, it's called blacking out, they call it that, which is basically the same thing. But it's your body starts shutting down and you'll see it happen. And if you're not close to the surface, a scuba diver can't help you because scuba divers can't rise that fast because they'll get the bins and they'll die. Damn. And so it has to be somebody else on the safety team who is also like able to free dive to a certain extent. And they're just down there waiting on you, holding their breath. And they're at different, like along the rope, they don't go all the way down, but they'll go to like half of it or whatever, 40 meters or what have you. And they wait and they kind of, once you get to that first safety level, they rise with you waiting and then you'll see it like all of a sudden you'll see their body like it's the weirdest thing and they grab you and they hold your mouth so that you won't swallow water and then they swim up with you to take you to the surface it is i mean you come out of the surface that like they show one at the very beginning i thought the person was dead and they're like oh no this is just a blacked out and we got to get them oxygen get them on the boat immediately i mean it is nuts what uh what's what's the what service is that on netflix Wow. And this is a very powerful story. And you will see there are, they tell the story of some people that die in this because there are times where free divers will go down and they don't come back up. (laughs) And there are places where they free dive that are very dangerous where again, because if you're going 340 feet below the surface, it's dark. Yeah. And it's cold. There's no telling what kind of stuff is down there. Well, and, and it's it's really interesting. I mean, some of the places they free dive is gorgeous, but it's, and I didn't realize this. And one of the most fascinating things about this is not only the underwater footage of them going all the way down and stuff like that. This is a really, really big deal in Europe. And they have all yeah. these big competitions. There are free diving schools. And this one girl, she was like, she knew when she was a little kid, she wanted to be a world champion free diver and started wow. free diving when she was like 12. And, and it, it shows her first races and stuff and her training and going to, they have free diving teams. Wow. I didn't, I, I was like, how the hell are you getting into free diving? <laughs> but man, it is. It's really interesting, and, and it, it, it tells the story of the main two people, and you can figure out, you know, as it's going along, what's going to happen, or, you know, does she get the record, and how is it going to happen, and where does it wind up, the record, and all this type of thing, and it's emotional, it's powerful, and it's such a unique sport that I basically knew, I knew what it was, and I knew hold single breath as far down as you can go. Outside of that, I had no concept of how this happened. Wow. And it's interesting to see all of that. Oh, well, I've got, um, I've got one more documentary for you. Um, and I think we both like this kind of stuff. I was scrolling through TikTok. And this is the headline that caught me. The most savage pack of lion brothers ever. <laughs> so I just I, I had to stop there and check it out and what happened is this National Geographic team is documenting this pride of lions that's their job and they end up documenting this group for 16 years I don't know if it was supposed to start off like that but what happened is 
they're just documenting a regular pride of lions. And what happens is this group of lions grow into these badasses. And you're like, well, how can anybody ever tell that? Yeah. And bro, what happened was they go, one is whoever became the, the alpha lion, like, you know, we know that lions do their thing. That's why they're the king of the jungle. Well, this dude was like the king of the jungle on steroids. Like he just had that I am that badass lion yeah. attitude and I I don't I kill everybody. Like Finn, Fro, whoever. If you're not part of my group, I kill you. Meaning, like, you know, lions have their territory. Let's say it's fifty miles. Well, if another lion comes in your territory, there's a little fight, you run him off, it's all good. Now, if you step the foot in his territory, you got to die. And so it's that kind of aggressiveness. But here's the deal, man, and this is what made them special. They, now, of course, it's lions, so we can't interview them. We don't know. But lions hunt in a certain way. They perfected a way of hunting that other groups of lions don't do. So they came up with their own way to hunt. And what it allowed them to do is they, you know, most of the time lions can kill a small water buffalo. But to get a big one, he has to be hurt or injured or something like that because they're just too big. Yeah. Dude. They developed a technique where they could figure out how to, one, separate a water buffalo and then how to kill it. What? And so over the course of time, what happened, Matt? They're killing water buffaloes. They're eating the most protein, richest, best diet. So what happened to them? They got bigger and stronger than if they were eating deer or antelope or all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they were eating more frequently because they perfected their technique. And as they got bigger and stronger, they became more and more ferocious. And maybe their territory used to be 50 miles. They turned that thing into like 150 miles. <laughs> it was just wild about this group of lions and how they became the biggest, most savage group of lions ever recorded. And it's because they started off filming this pride and they just saw the development. And once they saw the development that this was a group of this group was different, they just kept watching. them. What is the name of this? The, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, Mapogo Lion Brothers. The Mapogo. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, bro. Interesting. Yeah, because yeah, that sounds badass. So I was, I was really tripping on the fact that because they were eating water buffalo so frequently, they got bigger and stronger than anybody else because their diet was so good. Is it, is it Brothers in Blood, the Lions of Sabi Sand? Uh, I don't think so. Hmm. Maybe that's lion. another group. That's the documentary name. Must be something oh, else. This, Let's see. this is, yeah. Is it on this Netflix? Is the, uh, no, I'm sorry. It's on YouTube. Oh, it's on like YouTube TV or YouTube like the actual No, YouTube? just regular YouTube. Oh, okay. All right, all right, yeah. M-A-P-O-G-O. Mapogo. The Rise and Fall of the Most Famous Lion Coalition? Dude, there's Could like be. a ton of videos on this. How long is it? Oh, uh, I think it was like an hour or something. All right. But there may be a couple of them. I just got into it. I was trying to figure it out. <laughs> All right. Because here's the deal. I saw the, you know, TikTok encapsulated it. And so I went and caught it up and I'm looking at it. And I was like, well, this isn't that exciting. Yeah. And then I realized that the part I was looking at was the beginning when they were cubs. And that's why it wasn't so exciting. They hadn't grown up yet. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I want to check that out. And then I'll throw out, this is just a movie. 
But it, it, we just watched it last night. It's called Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. And Jake Gyllenhaal is the star of it. And it basically tells the story. Jake Gyllenhaal plays a staff sergeant over in Afghanistan. And it tells the story of him and his interpreter. And he's in charge of a platoon looking for the little random warehouses in the mountains where they were making explosives and IEDs. Right. And it tells the story of him and his interpreter and how his little platoon gets ambushed and how his interpreter saves his life and then what he does to repay his interpreter. It is intense. Really? Yes, it is very intense, a crazy cool story. It's not a true story, but it's based on the relationships between interpreters and like kind of how they got screwed when we left Afghanistan and all this. Anyway, mm. you know, there's a lot of, they kill a lot of dudes. A lot of dudes get killed. It does a good job of showing kind of the drabness of what it was like for those dudes over there in Afghanistan where you're just driving around right. in dust and, and wondering, is this guy going to kill me? And is this guy going to shoot me? And it's kind of... It's a really interesting, well-done story, and it's it's intense. I mean, there's a lot of intense moments in this thing. It's worth watching. That's for sure. What's the name of it again? The Covenant. The Covenant. Yeah, Guy Ritchie is the director. Ah, you know what? A friend of mine went to see that at the movies like two months ago. Yeah, it's relatively new. It just came out because we just rented it. Yeah, two or three months ago, they went to the movies to see it. Uh, oh, you know what it was? I, I was trying to figure out what it was. Okay, here's the deal. Here's the short story. This is why I remember it. One of my good friends in high school, who's one of those people like, can you really be this good of a person? Yeah. That kind of person. Uh, he, uh, it was his birthday, and his wife threw him a surprise birthday party, and his cousin took him to see that movie. That's why I remember it. Okay. How about that? And that was in April. Yeah, yeah, it hadn't been that long. I mean, it, it came out earlier this year. Yeah, so and, and so Guy Ritchie, some of you might have seen. He did Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch, uh, Sherlock Holmes movies, the That's the Gentleman. If you ever saw that, X. yeah. So, but it's good, man. All right, it's worth now, let me watching. Tell you one thing. Let me tell you one thing about my friend. Okay, he's a year younger than me. He retired from the city of Dallas probably about a year ago. Nice. And his wife has a good job but she can work remotely you know what they've done most of this summer travel they've spent it traveling Watching, in yeah. europe yeah and uh send, sending back all these beautiful pictures like they're in europe for like probably six weeks hanging out and his wife is a uh, colombian so she speaks spanish so they can they can really move about pretty freely very nice so no it was uh it's like you sit there and you go well i don't yeah, it seems like a dream life, and then you know people living that dream, and you're like, wow, it's impressive. It is impressive. There's no doubt. Yeah. So very nice. Yes, yes, yes. All right, kids, that'll wrap it up. The penultimate episode coming to a close. One more episode of Jam Session to go. Jacques and I will be recording that on Thursday morning. It will drop for you on Friday, episode 403, and that will be the final episode of the Jam Session podcast. Be looking forward to that. Sorry to bum you guys out with the news that the podcast is coming to an end, but we're going to enjoy it. We'll have some fun on the next and the last episode. Have a great week. 
We'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.